Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Morning to you. My name's Joe. It's a privilege to be able to come and share the word with you this morning. We're going to jump straight in because we want to cover some ground this morning in our series Arise on Isaiah. We're going to look at chapter 61 and, and hopefully 62, and we're going to unpack what it is the Lord has for us in that place. And I believe, I was just I was praying, I was just convicted of the Lord in the in the worship time that He wants to undo lies, He wants to take off blinkers, that He wants to draw us into a loving and deep relationship with Him that restores us. And so I trust He's going to do that as we go through the sermon this morning. You know, um, my, uh, my eldest child turned 16 on Friday. My prayer language is improving because now he's got to learn his license. But as I was thinking about this, this chapter, these chapters we have today, I've been really dwelling in them and with my eldest child turning 16, I've been really convicted. I am my parenting of him. I don't want him to just break even. I don't want him to just get through life by not making mistakes. I want to take what I've learned and I want to sow it into his life and to his brothers and to his sister's life. And I want to see them go further and beyond me. But for me and in my journey with with God for so many years, I, I was fairly sure I was saved, but I was fairly concerned about making sure I actually got there in the end. I didn't know what it looked like to get it right. I didn't know what it looked like to just be in. And I feel like there's so many moving parts that it was very stressful and caused a lot of anxiety for me. I don't know if that's been your experience of like, I said yes to Jesus. I don't want to get anything wrong because I want to get there in the end. And so my hope in my Christian life was just to kind of break even. I hope when the day of judgment comes, I can stand and go, hey, not so bad, you can come in. But as I read these passages today, These were instrumental in my journey of knowing what the Lord has for me, what his invitation is to me, of what life in his kingdom can look like. And so I pray the same for you as we jump into this passage today. Let's open up to Isaiah 61. Let's just jump straight in. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. What an opening. What an opening. This is, in fact, Jesus' mission statement. Some 700 years after Isaiah is prophesying, Jesus stands up in a temple and says these words. And he says, in your hearing this day, these words are fulfilled. Luke chapter 4. And I'd argue 
that this mission statement of Jesus that was fulfilled in the hearing of the people on that day has been fulfilled in our hearing ever since. That this is the work of God in the world, constantly moving on. Today it's fulfilled in your hearing. Tomorrow it will be fulfilled in your hearing. Every day in front of us, the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon Christ that he might come and set us free. So what's he doing? What's the paradigm of kingdom that he's working in? Those who are broken by evil. Those who are suffering and impacted by the torment of this world. Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bind you back together. I look around and I look at my own life and I look at my family and I look at our family here. So much. So much going on. I can just sense this need for Jesus to come and just take the pieces of our hearts that are broken and hurting and just hold them back together. He wants to bring freedom to the captives those who are held against their own wishes, those who through no fault of their own find themselves broken, impacted by the things of this world, by the things that are going on around them. Our screens are full of that every day, but our hearts, I think, constantly are confronted in our own captivity. Some of us aren't innocent, though. Some of us are the perpetrators. In fact, I think all of us probably are agents of brokenness in some times and in some ways and in some lives. And the beauty of Jesus' proclamation through the prophet Isaiah is that he comes to set the captives free and to release the prisoners. It doesn't matter whether you're the oppressor or the oppressed. Christ's work is for us. Isaiah prophesied it. Christ lived it out and the Spirit demonstrates it. It's the scandal of grace. It's the refocusing of our hearts to his heart because we look at the world and think that's right and that's wrong and we'll punish the wrongdoers and we'll bless the right doers. But Jesus says, you're all broken. Isaiah said, everyone's in need of a savior. And the scandal of grace is that he makes it available for all. No matter where you're at today, no matter what's going on, he invites us into the promise of this year of the Lord's favor, this jubilee year, this year of celebration. How much does your heart long for a year of celebration? One. Have you given up hope for a year of celebration? Have you pushed all the things just somewhere into the undefined future because it's all a bit too hard to think about things going right right now? Or is God stirring up something in your heart? He says the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus stops before the day of vengeance part in Luke 4 because that's part of his second coming. But look at God's emphasis. There's a year of favor and a day of judgment and then a people belonging to him forever. He invites us into this relationship with him. There'll be a day of justification and reckoning, but don't miss God's emphasis. It's a year of jubilee and a day of cleansing. He invites us in now. And Jesus said, in your hearing, this is fulfilled, this is beginning, this is eventuating step in. The year of the Lord's favor is where we find ourselves. A year of restoring and restoring and resetting debts, of wiping things clean, of giving people what is rightfully theirs, returning what was lost, stolen, or taken. Have you tasted? Have you experienced? Have you stepped into the year of God's favor in Jesus?
Today is the day for that to be fulfilled. You don't have to put off hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We are invited into the year of the Lord's favor in every circumstance, in every opportunity. We don't have to let what's going on around us determine the truth of who's in us. There's this beautiful part in that passage, though. The closing of the circle is probably the way I think about it. And the thing that impacted me in my journey, because it's not just the things that God's done for us. And it's important that we get a hold of the things that he has done for us. It's important that we put off the things that get in the way of his kingdom and his purposes in our lives, that we repent of sin, that we put aside the things that so easily distract and entangles, it says in Hebrews 12. Sin, brokenness, all these things. We put that aside. We, we exchange that. But there's an invitation then on the other side of that circular moment, that moment where we acknowledge what's going wrong and step into what's God's plan for what's going right. We come to verse 3. This beautiful picture for those who mourn in Zion. God does these amazing things. He exchanges old and broken for new and clean. And it's beautiful. He doesn't just break people even. He replaces. And this is what I think is an important thing that we forget, is that the kingdom of God displaces the kingdom of darkness. That we don't just try and wipe the slate clean, but we actually start to let God invest into our lives. Look at what he says. Where there are ashes, the traditional sign of mourning, of loss, of self-denial, God's going to pour in beauty. Where there's... He's going to put on a headdress, a turban, a priestly garment that suggests honor, a proud display of someone. Where there's mourning, he's going to let gladness soak in like oil. Where there's been heaviness where there's been a weightiness on us, when anxiety has pushed us down and pressed us to the ground, when we are oppressed in our hearts and our minds and our bodies and in our lives, God clothes us in praise. Oh, there's just something about that moment where you can step into that awareness of God that overcomes, that eclipses the awareness of what's going on around us. And we can exchange the lie that I have to be pressed down and I can embrace the truth that he calls me to praise. I'm doing this course at the moment on the Psalms. It's just lovely. In your mourning, lament, it's a legitimate thing. It's, it's, not just, it's not just complaining. It's an expression of where we're really at. And that's okay. We've got to acknowledge that we're mourning before God can meet us there. But in the vast majority of lament Psalms, almost all of them, it ends in praise. And that's the invitation of God. It's the closing of the circle. It's not just acknowledging our circumstance. It's then acknowledging him in that circumstance and his greatness over that circumstance. As we'll see a little bit later on, God and his anointed one are clothed in garments of salvation. We are clothed in garments of praise. It's God's job to save. It's ours to praise. Maybe for you, that's where the load is today. That's where the burden is. Maybe that's the pressing down. Maybe you feel like it's your responsibility to fix everything. Maybe you feel like it's on your shoulders to solve the problems around you. 
I feel like God's inviting us to lay those things down before him today. Because he wants to raise us up to see us flourish like well-watered trees. Oaks of righteousness are planting for the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. I want to go to 61 verse 4. It says this, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And this is the thing for me. Verse 3 it's all passive for me. If I come to him and go, God, I'm broken. He'll heal me. He'll restore me. He'll cleanse me. He'll replace mourning for beauty, ashes for beauty, heaviness for praise. But that's all what he's doing to me. But the beauty of God is he doesn't just break us even. He now empowers us and calls us and points us to a purpose. You know, we are now the rebuilders. I can't help but think of Jesus talking to his disciples in this moment. Freely you've received, freely give. It's the same thing. When God brings restoration and life into ours, then we get to rebuild that in others. It's a beautiful invitation. It's a beautiful pattern. So here's what I want to say to you today. God's redemptive work in your life didn't just give you a ticket to eternity with him. It did, but that's not all. You didn't just break even. Phew. It opened the door to purpose, to fulfillment in your life. God's inbreaking kingdom is where things are restored and he's calling us to be his partners to help that happen in the lives of others. Remember what Pastor John said last week, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. Nations will come to your brightness because his brightness is in us and through us. He empowers us. In fact, there's no one in this room who has no point. There's no one in this, in, who's listening to my voice right now who has no purpose. Because when the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has called you, He sends you as a rebuilder, as a restorer of the broken things. When we feel the sting of sorrow, the pain of mourning, He meets us there. He pours His redemption into us and lovingly equips us to bring life to others. What does it look like? He goes on in Isaiah 61, verse 5 and 6, that people will now come, strangers will come and and tend flocks, foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. You shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of nations and in their glory you shall boast. God's saying this to a people who had lost everything. His covenant people of Israel, but he says it to his covenant people today. If you think you've lost everything, you've missed his invitation because he's restored you into everything you need. To the orphans, he gives a home, beloved children. To those who have lost, he brings love and redemption. You're not captives, now you have a place to belong. Pick up the pattern of these two chapters. It's constantly God's going to deal with the brokenness. He's going to pour blessing in and restore. He's going to He's going to take our disconnection and our disruption and our dysfunction and he's going to restore it. He's going to anoint us and he's going to send us. He's going to bless us. He's going to use us. He says in verse 7, instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, you shall rejoice in their lot. Are you hearing the pattern? Instead of the brokenness, he's going to pour something in. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. 
they shall have everlasting joy. God starts to then state who he is, his nature and his desire to bless and to redeem. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them, those that have robbed and stolen, their recompense. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. He calls us all back to him. But it changes gears at this point. Because we can get a little bit enamored, I think, with what God's doing for us. And we, we love his hands of blessing on us. And we should never step away from it. We should never forget it. We should never stop enjoying it because that's the beauty. But we get to embrace the nature of who he is as well. That when we experience his hand of blessing, we are called, we are granted permission to look up into his beautiful face that we receive both the blessing and the power of identity. He says this in Isaiah 61, verse 10 and 11. The anointed one of God starts to speak. And I love this. It's, it's even reminiscent of what we've already heard in our service so far. I will, regret, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. This is God's anointed one speaking. Jesus He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. What he's doing in us, he's already done in Jesus. What he's doing in us, he's done through Jesus. And Jesus has done it for us. God's heart is to restore the world and to use his redeemed people to let the world know what he's like. What does that look like for you and me? What does that look like to be an agent of God's righteousness? Where are you on your journey? It doesn't matter where you're at whether you're in captivity, whether you're a prisoner, whether you're mourning, whether you're stepping into an awareness of what God's done for you or whether you're taking ownership of the call and the purpose of your life. It doesn't matter where you're at, but God calls us today to not sit, to not stop, to not stall, but to step into what he's got for us. There's no one in this room today, no one watching online at home who doesn't have a place. The strangers of other nations are invited to come and experience the righteousness of God. That's us originally. How good is that? I want to jump to the end of chapter 62. And there's amazing stuff that you can read in between. There's beautiful declarations in verse 4 of chapter 62 about who we really are in him. That you were once called forsaken, but now you're called my delight is in you. I don't know, for me, that's like, that's like dinner, hearing that. That just like fills me. It makes me feel amazing that when I felt forsaken, God now stepped in and calls me his delight. Where there's barrenness, now you're going to be fruitful your land was desolate, now your land is called married. <laughs> that means that it produces fruit, offspring. 
There's beautiful encouragements for us to not let God rest, but to contend, to call out for what you see is needed in this world as his rebuilders and his restorers. But I want to take us to chapter 62, verse 10, and 11 and 12. Because I believe that in this inbreaking kingdom and in this invitation that we have in this day, in this age, in this cultural climate we find ourselves in, he doesn't save you to have a comfy seat in a church service, but he saves you so that you would be a demonstration of God's goodness. Says this, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Let's capture hold of that for a second. Let that speak to your heart. Let that not just just inform your mind, but let it actually start to capture your heart afresh. That God's removing barriers for people to come to him. Does it feel hard? Pastor John just led us in a beautiful moment of of prayer, of contending, but he invites us to make, make the space available for them. To pray without ceasing, but to go and prepare the way. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for your loved ones to to clear the way of stones for people to encounter God's goodness? Does it look like we love them before we expect them to believe what we believe? Does it mean that when they deserve punishment in the world's eyes, we extend love? What is clearing the stones out of the way for your family members that don't know Christ? What is clearing the stones for our neighbors that seem to antagonize us to a point where we don't know what to do with it, where we we bless them through clenched teeth? God says, clear the stones. Remove stumbling blocks that they might experience the goodness of God because behold, your salvation comes. The day is fast approaching when Jesus will come to claim all that is his his bride. If we remember the words of John 3.17, he wants that none should perish, but all should find life in him. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to love it. Is there a lie in your heart that says, these people are okay and I'll bless them, but these ones I'm not okay with and as far as I'm concerned, kill them all, let God deal with them. Is that our heart? Is that what happens when we see what we see on the television screens and on our news feeds? Is that what happens in our hearts? Or do we, do we come to this place going, God, oh, they're your children. They're beautiful. But they don't see the light. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We clear the stones of the principalities and the powers, the things that get in the way. And this is us, verse 12. They shall be called the holy people. The holy people, the set aside people, the ones who are different to what's going on around them. 
I once had someone tell me the best way to work out what's holy in your life is what if someone else used it. The holiest thing in your life is your toothbrush, probably. That is set aside for just your use, right? Tell me it's set aside just for your use. Yes. That's it. He calls us his holy people. Set aside for his use. Set apart for his purposes. To be rebuilders. To let mourning turn into dancing. To be those who clear the stones. Not those who put up barriers. Those who put up blockages to the way of the Lord, they're holy to someone else. They shall be called the redeemed of the Lord. Redeemed, a financial term, a legal term, paid for in order to be released. Jesus is paid. Have you been released? Are you free today? Are you free from the lies, from the sins? We all need freedom. It doesn't matter. We're like, we're like onions. We've got to peel it and there'll be another layer of bondage and lies underneath. But God brings freedom to that too. Every day and every stage of our life, he's inviting us to put those things off. You shall be called sought out. Sought out. You're not just another number. You're not just a wallflower hoping that you get chosen. You're not insignificant. That you belong. That you have a place. If you're set apart for his purposes, if you said yes to Jesus, then no matter what's going on, He seeks you out. And it's not just here. It's in Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the world looking for those people whose hearts are blameless toward him. He passionately seeks out his redeemed ones, his holy ones. He's with us, his promise. Jesus describes it in different words. He says, my Holy Spirit will come and dwell in you. But he's with each one of us. Is there a lie you're believing that? No one cares. Is there a lie you're believing that you don't belong? That God doesn't notice? Don't equate what we've experienced among broken people as truth about who God is. Because he will restore us and he will heal us and he will release us. Because we are going to be called a city that is not forsaken. What does your heart say when you hear this? What goes on? What do you wrestle with? Do you go, oh, I've heard all this before. It's so boring. Do you go, oh, yeah, that's true of my friend because they're really, they're really good. It's not true of me. Do you feel set of heart? 
Or you believe the lie of the enemy that you've disqualified yourself from God's service, from God's purposes. Maybe your hearts have gone astray. Maybe your minds have wandered. Maybe the things that you put your affection on haven't reflected the things of the Lord. Maybe you've been throwing a few stones behind you on the journey. But the promise of Isaiah, as then declared by Jesus Christ, is that he came to make a way clear for all of us. I am convinced that there's not a lie any one of us believes that God is not big enough to undo. There's not one lie that cannot be defeated by the truth of Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit's job is to come and convict us, not condemn us, but convict us of the lies and the things that get in the way so that we might step into the fullness, the redeemed people of God, the holy ones of God, those who are sought out by our Father who are not forsaken. So I want to lead you in a time of prayer and response. No matter where you are and no matter what's going on. I want you to just reflect. From what we've heard out of this passage today, what's the truth that you need to take ownership of? At what point of that journey are you on that you need God to meet you there and to not leave you sitting in ashes but to pour oil of gladness on you? So in a moment, I'm going to give you this time to ask the Lord. Just ask Him. What is my point of need? Am I broken? Am I a breaker of others? Am I mourning? Am I excited to step into rebuilding, but I don't know what that looks like? If you've never spoken to God before, then maybe you just need to say, God, I don't even know if you're real. Would you talk to me today? When you ask him, and when he shows you, and maybe it's just that first fleeting thought that crosses your mind, Maybe something that you, you, you resist thinking about, but don't miss the opportunity today. As we heard last time, seek the Lord while he may be found. When he shows you that, it's a simple prayer of exchange. God, I don't want to stay here anymore. God, I don't want to believe this lie anymore. So I choose to turn away from that. That's all you have to say. And then just ask him, God, what do you have in exchange for me? I'm going to give you a moment to pray that, and then I'm going to pray for us to finish. Just give you a, few, a couple of minutes maybe just to actually have that time. So the worship team will just play some music for us to just reflect on the Lord. But just take a moment.
thank you for the gift of a moment. And we thank you for the exchange that you make with us. We give you our brokenness, our disappointment, our acts of sin and rebellion against you. even where we've run away from the calling you've placed in our lives. And we lay it down before you. So this isn't working out so well for us. We let those lies go. We disagree with them. We say, God, we are sorry for where we've fallen short. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you just minister into our lives? Would you speak truth? Would you take the truth of scripture that we've heard today? Would you take the promises you've spoken over our lives? Would you take the truth of your presence in every moment with us? Would you pull that afresh into us now? Would you come minister to us as we've been ministering to you in worship? Would you come and would you set us free? Would you let our hearts rest in the knowledge that you know us, that you see us, that you love us? that we are called your delight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that today. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.